Um, <laughs> I, I heard the story about a Baptist, an Assembly of God pastor, a Baptist pastor, and a Catholic priest. They all died on the same day. Can you imagine that? And they wound up in heaven at the pearly gates, and St. Peter said, man, we've got a problem. He said, we really don't have your rooms ready yet. So believe it or not, of all things, what do you do when there's no room there? So no room at the end. So they, he called the devil, and he said, uh, look, could you do us a favor just temporarily until we get their rooms made up? How many ever tried to get an early check, and they, and they, weren't, they just couldn't do it? Well, this happened to these guys. Believe it or not, truth is stranger than fiction. Some of you are like, really? This really happened? And uh, gee, you're too serious for me. And uh, so the enemy reluctantly agreed to take the Baptist, the Assembly of God pastor, and the Catholic priest in hell just for a temporary time. And while they were getting their rooms ready, it wasn't not even a couple hours, Satan called up Peter and he said, you've got to get these guys out of here. He goes, I am fed up as all get out. He said, what's the problem? He goes, well, the Catholic guy is going around forgiving everybody. The Baptist pastor is down, down here saving everybody. And the Assembly of God pastor has raised so much money that now we're going to put in central air conditioning down here. Get him out of here. Praise God. Okay, all right, all right. Enough of the cheesy jokes. First Samuel 30, I want to talk to you today about how to come back from a setback. How to come back from a setback. How many know we've been through a setback in this country? Well, yeah, the last six months have been like a living hell. I mean, if you think about COVID-19 and all the stuff, the businesses that have been dissolved, the ones that are in bankruptcy. I went by Pier 1 the other day, and I saw they're going out of business. I've never been to Pier 1, but I heard they carry vases. Do you know what a vase is? A vase, the difference between a vase and a vase. You know what that is? About 175 bucks. <laughs> so good to see you. Let me see your smiles today. Praise God. What a beautiful bunch of people. Amen. Some of you got teeth. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. Just having fun with you. It's 1 Samuel 30. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. Everybody say Ziklag. On the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and it had taken captive the women and those who were there and for, from the small to the great, they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken into captivity. Verse four, then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives I don't even know how to say that word. And I'm just going to call her Lisa, okay? <laughs> Sorry. I just, someone, anyway. And the, and the, Jez, and the, and let's just say Lisa. And the Jezreelites and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Camerlite had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved Every man for his sons and daughters, watch this, but David, and we often quote this, encouraged himself in the Lord. Aren't you thankful you have the opportunity to encourage yourself? Maybe everybody else around you is not being encouraging. Maybe, in fact, they're being discouraging. The difference between encouraging and discouraging is if I encourage you, I'm imparting courage. If I discourage you, I'm taking courage away. The Bible said that we have the ability, the propensity to encourage ourselves when nobody else will do it for us. And you've got to learn early on, loved ones, that you've got to be able to encourage yourself because life sometimes can be incredibly difficult. 
How many of you, let me see your hands, have gone through setbacks in life, one time or another, a season, a dark a time, a tough time. It might have been something that you were saying, God, where are you in all this? And I just want to give you a little backdrop of David before we preach through this this morning so we understand the biblical ramifications, what it has to do with our own life. David, the man called David, was faced with challenges almost out of the chute. He was the youngest. He had seven brothers. They were all tall, dark, and handsome. And the prophet Samuel, who wrote this book that we just read out of, came to anoint the king. How many of you know this story? Came to Jesse's house. Jesse's the father of David to anoint the next king over all of Israel. And David was up the back with the sheep. He was about 13 years old. He was uh, ruddy in complexion and had reddish hair. Most theologians believe he was kind of like the runt of the litter, if you will. And one by one, the tall, dark, and handsome sons of Jesse came by the prophet of Samuel as he stood there with the horn of oil looking for the next king. How many know he was flowing with the Holy Spirit because th some things must be discerned, not just figured out? And that's why some of us have to sharpen our discernment, especially now heading into an election season like this. Don't just go with your feelings about things all the time. Your feelings will send you over a ditch and you'll be shipwrecked. Thank God that Samuel, a great man of God, the prophet, was looking for the king. And all, the, all, the, all of David's older brothers passed by and he just said, nope, it's not that one. And Jesse's like, really? Are you, are you sure? I mean, he's like the quarterback on the football team. I mean, he's jacked, he's dark, he's handsome. I mean, nope, it's not him. How about the next one? No, he went through all the brothers. And finally, Samuel said to Jesse, David's father, don't you have any more boys? No more? And he said, well, I've got this guy named David, but he's really not much to look at. He's not really kingly material. So how many know his father, in essence, was saying, if you read it between the lines, he'll never amount to anything. Let me tell you, if you have a father who's telling you you'll never amount to anything, that's a challenge. If you're not careful, that can really be a setback. Can you say amen? And so, you know, David never even got invited to the palace, much less be a king, until he finally got an invitation as a musician to come in, because sometimes the, uh, a musical gift will put you in places. And he came in because he was a gifted musician. He played skillfully as unto the Lord. And he came in to drive out the evil spirits before King Saul. How many of you know this is in your Bible? And the Bible said that when he was brought before King Saul, he was tormented by evil spirits and he played the harp. The evil spirits went away. But there was a problem because David came up under tremendous workplace harassment. In fact, Saul got so jealous that he was so gifted as a musician, he took out his spear like a javelin and threw it at David. And David had to flee from the palace. How many know I'm preaching the word of God to you? I'm telling you about the man called David. David, 66 chapters in your Bible are dedicated to, to David. The patriarchs don't even come close to the information, the documentation from the scribes and the people that followed David around and hung on his every word. And God, in fact, said, there's a man after my own heart. David. Took the head off the Philistine giant. David, faced with insurmountable challenges, setbacks. He knows what it's like to struggle. David, after all that, said, you know what? I know how to fix this. I'll marry the king's daughter because marriage fixes everything. There's some real people here this morning, believe it or not. So he, <laughs> so he marries the king's daughter. And the Bible said that she publicly, everybody say publicly, publicly criticized him almost every single day of his life. Now, I don't mind when my wife and I, we've been married 31 years. I don't mind when she says something to me behind closed doors, but how many know if it's in front of everybody, 
It's really embarrassing. Can you imagine David being criticized as the king, the most powerful king who ever lived, by his own wife, Saul's daughter? In fact, she was jealous of him. Think about when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem representing the type of the church. Are you still with me? I'm just setting it up to tell you that it's possible to move from a setback to a comeback today. And we look at the life of David as a biblical example of this. David, they had a child, his daughter. His daughter was molested, in fact, raped by a family member. That's pretty bad. Had another child. Uh, his, son, his son's name was Absalom. Absalom, who had beautiful flowing hair, uh, rose to power and tried to overthrow his own father from the kingdom. We're talking about David, family fighting family, challenges, setbacks, stress, duress, all that kind of stuff. David, in a weak moment, I would call it PSTD today, post-traumatic stress disorder. It was a real thing. He was under such stress that in a weak moment, in his weakest of moments of time, after he comes back now in Ziklag, he sees the city is burned. Their wives are hauled off. Their sons and daughters are hauled off into captivity. His own men surrounding him, wanting to stone him because they were filled with such anguish. David, in a weak moment, at the lowest of all lows, the crisis of all crisis, the Bible said he looked out and he said, saw a woman and he lusted after her in her heart. He had his men bring her to him. He had sex with her. He impregnated her. And then he killed her, had her husband killed, moving him, Uriah the Hittite, to the front line of, of battle. My, how we try to cover up the things that we've done. But how many know the Bible says what you've done in secret will be shouted from the rooftops? The prophet Nathan came to him and said, thou art the man. I've given you about seven seven years of biblical life of David in about six minutes. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. David, prophet. David, priest. David, powerful king. David, man after God's own heart. Now everything that they've known is gone. He's at a low, low point of his life. And I'm here to tell you today that David encouraged himself Notice how different the response was. Everybody else was looking at each other, blaming each other, even blaming the king. And yet not David. The Bible said he called for the ephod or the ephod, however you want to pronounce it. He put on this spiritual garment and he inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said, go back and attack them and you will certainly win the battle. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Notice he wasn't like everybody else. It might have seemed like he was surrounded, but he was surrounded by the presence and the power of the Lord. If you believe that, why don't you put your hands together and let God know you're serious today. A setback to a comeback. David. And, and so it's interesting. Uh, how do we come back from a setback in life? Again, COVID-19, Corona has affected so many people, businesses and marriages. They tell us the suicide rate is, is high and there's been divorces and filings for divorce and bankruptcy and people losing everything. How do we come back? Well, there was a doctor that did a study and he was a very intelligent man. He did this post-Second World War because there were so many men and women coming back from the war with lost limbs with loss of life, going through such stress and duress, such setbacks that he studied. And he actually went to India and he studied. I don't know if maybe you've seen this, but he studied 
how the, over in the uh, culture in India, they'll take a baby elephant, little baby elephant, and what do they call them, a pup? Is that, am I saying that right? Is it elephant pup, honey? Yeah? Cat? Oh, calf. Oh. I was going to say cat where? I wish I had time to tell you family stories out of the mouths of my grandchildren about cats. Calf, thank you, a calf. So baby calf elephant, baby. And they take a chain in India. This is how they train them. And they put it around their leg, the baby elephant, and they put a, a, a big post in the ground and they cement it in the ground. And then, and then the, the, the baby uh, calf elephant, when it walks, it pulls, when it gets pulled, it, it tries to pull further, but it can't because it's got a chain around its leg. And so it's what's called learned behavior. It's called, here's the actual psychological term. Are you ready? It's called learned helplessness. And what actually happens is as an elephant grows and as they get like bigger than, you know, this big area here, a big giant, you know, you've seen the elephants in the zoo or we've seen them in the safari of Africa. As the elephant gets like a massive size and sometimes they put them in the traveling circus, you know what they do with the elephant? They don't even put a, a peg in cement anymore. It's just a little piece of rope with a little wooden stake that he could easily take and just kick and rip the whole thing out. But because he has learned helplessness in his life, he gives up trying. And this, this medical doctor did this study, and it was actually backed by our federal government around 1946 or so, trying to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder from so many men and women coming back from the war zone over there defending our freedom. Like Earl Granville, who gave his testimony. I remember Earl Granville gave his testimony about being, you know, coming up on a roadside bomb, losing his, his leg and his eye and all that stuff, and seeing his friends and all that. There's, they have to find ways to deal with people with this because it's setbacks. Have you ever had a setback? And I want to help somebody today. I believe by the power of the Holy Ghost in this room and both watching at home that I'll help you to move from a setback financially, maritally, spiritually. Maybe you've got kids that are on drugs. Maybe they're in jail. I don't know. Maybe you're facing bankruptcy today. Maybe you've lost your job. I want to tell you that our God specializes in turning crucifixions into resurrections. If you believe that, take five seconds and clap your hands. Hallelujah. He's the God of the comeback. I said he's the God of the comeback. Amen. Ironically, as part of this same study, this doctor, when he coined that phrase, learn helplessness, they took rats. I don't know where they got the rats. I don't know if they were from New York City. I'm not sure. Maybe New Jersey or New Hersey, as some people say. But anyway, he put rats in water. True story. And they monitored and timed how long the rats could live in water and how long they could tread water for. And they realized that at about 10 minutes, they couldn't swim any longer and the rats drowned. So now you've, you've read this. So, so then, they've, then he took, watch, this is all documented. You can look this up. They took another batch of rats. I'm not sure where they came from. It, it might have been, I'm not sure. I don't want to say the name of the town I'm thinking of right now, but it's okay. They need Jesus too. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. They took these rats and they put them in water. Lynn, and, 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 and he put them in water again. This doctor and his, his team uh, in the laboratory and the rats started doing the same thing. They swam and they started getting frantic. And then when it got to about, watch this, nine and a half minutes, they somehow pulled them out of the water. I don't think it's a big screen or what. They pulled them out of the water. Watch this, they dried them off. They put them in a warmer climate. 
They fed them. They let them rest for about an hour. They put them back in the water, and now they swim for about 18 minutes. Yeah, and then they pull them out of the water. They fed them, give them something to eat. They dried them off. A hand reached down, picked them up, you know, let them rest, let them get nourished, put them back in the water. Now they swam for another 30 minutes. Watch this. They kept doing this. At the end of the day, they found out these rats literally could swim for 37 hours as long as they knew that eventually a hand was going to reach down. Somebody's getting the picture here. Was going to reach down, was going to pick them up out of that mess, that they were treading water, they were drowning, they were gasping for air, they were suffering a setback. He could reach down and pick them up and love on them and dry them off and feed them something, give them a time to rest, a season of uh, just to, to take a break from all that trauma that was on them. And they called it, this is actually what they called it, they called it PERMA. You can look this up. PERMA, P-E-R-M-A, PERMA. The federal government put $145 million into this study. And I want to preach to you today a great, I believe will be helpful to you through that word PERMA, like, like an acronym. And it, and it has everything to deal with your Bible because it's just interesting. Thank God somebody spent the, the money on it. It didn't have to be me. But that the answers that they came up with literally bring us back to what we already know, the Word of God. The same way David encouraged himself in the Lord. So here's the first letter. Are you ready to write? You ready to come back? The letter P stands for positive emotions. Positive emotions. They said that the most vital thing, the first step in coming back from a setback to a comeback is being positive and getting around positive people. How many know you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. <laughs> Hebrews 11.1 1 says it like this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. These rats understood that they had a little bit of hope. Somebody say a little bit of hope. That a little bit of hope goes a long way. Hope is the first step of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I'm hoping that it turns around. You ever been there? I'm hoping that my bank account will come back to where it once was. I'm hoping that my marriage will come back together. I'm hoping that my health will come back. I'm it's the first step. I don't have my faith. I've lost my faith. I've been through too much. I've lost it all. You have to go back to first base. It's called hope. Hope in God. Just a little bit of hope helps people. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. These rats had a little bit of hope in this study. It's where we get PERMA from. The smallest level of faith is hope. They were saying, I know if I keep swimming, that there's a hand that's going to reach down, it's going to help me. This study, PERMA, and positive emotions is the P word there. Instead of a person rehashing about how bad things are and how bad the situation is over and over and over, how many know you can have what you say? The more you talk about something, good or bad, is what you draw yourself closer to. Can I get an amen here in this 11 a.m. crowd? The more you talk about it, if you keep talking about your past, your past, your past, you'll be a prisoner to your past. You keep driving your car looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to have another accident. Your windshield is about 90% bigger than the rearview mirror in your car. Positive emotions. They don't say this in the study, but I would say we as believers understand what that positive emotion is. It's called joy. Everybody say joy. joy. Psalm 16 says it like this. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The joy of the Lord, Nehemiah 8, it is my strength. 
Jesus said it over in John 16, that your joy, my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. Can you say amen? Amen. But for some of us, we want to just keep talking about the opposite of joy, which is sorrow and pain and sickness and suffering. Some of us, if we're not careful, we're making our identity in our health constraints. Have you ever been around somebody like this? Sometimes I meet people, it's not often, but I meet people sometimes like, hey, how you doing? Like, I'm in my way to the store. I don't have, I'm not looking for a life story. I'm just getting like a little courtesy wave. Can you hear what I'm saying? Can you feel my pain? And thank God for masks now. I despise them now. I love it because nobody knows who I am. I'm the mask man. Come on, somebody. So I just walk into Wegmans. I get my thing and I get out of there. Thank God for Instacart. We use it often. They just bring it to the door. But, you know, sometimes I walk in like, hey, how's it going? Like, I'm walking like this. That means I'm in a hurry, man. I mean, I got stuff to do. Like, hey, how's it going? Oh, not good, Pastor. Not good. You see the lip curl out? Oh, really? I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. I just want to go get my Tic Tacs and get on my way. How many of you know it's true? Come on, you're laughing because you know it's true. Not good. My husband still, they go like this. My husband still won't go to church with me. I wouldn't go to church with you either. Because you're not attractive to anybody. Come on, you're laughing. You know it's true. Positive emotions. Perma. This psychologist said, perma. If the way to get up out of, you know, off your blessed assurance is to get around some things that are positive. Faith is very positive. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. Put the next letter up there very quickly. E. It means to engage. Engagement. You've got to engage. You can't just sit there and watch life go by. You can't just sit there and watch the boob tube, as they used to call it, and watch all the fake news and all the bad news out there and all the stuff they're trying to sell you to make you a better you. You've got to get up off your blessed assurance, put your shoes on, put your cowboy boots on, and get out the door and do something with your life. Can you say amen? It's called engagement. Engagement. You're going to come back at some point. You can't isolate yourself any longer. You've got to get around other people. We've got to stop licking our wounds. And in this study, it's ironic because they actually said you've got to get back in the flow, the flow of life. I mean, I was thinking to myself, like the flow, the flow. What that represents to us is you've got to get back into the flow of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Get back to the house of God. It's time to take the stretchy pants off and put some nice clothes on. Time to take your hair out of a bun. Come on, somebody. And then, you know, Mel Norman, Revlon, whatever it is, us guys are okay with that, okay? You know, and start feeling better about yourself. It's amazing, you know, there's a book that came out years ago called Dress for Success. You know, and if you dress like, and don't get me wrong, I love flannel shirts and I, I do. But listen, if you dress better, you feel better. Amen. Come on. How many of you know that even in the business world, it's a proven fact, you know? I mean, can you imagine going to your doctor and he comes out with a pair of cutoff shorts, a wife beater? I mean, a, I mean, a T-shirt on and a pair of sandals. Like, so oh, what's going on? Yeah, well, you know, just hanging out here at the office. You'd be like, oh, my gosh. You'd be like calling your husband. as soon as you're like, I can't believe the doctor. He's like gone crazy. He's let himself go. He's got a long beard. I mean, you know, what in the world? Like, I'm not going back there. I don't believe them people. You know, you've got to engage. It takes work to engage. Okay. 
So this is what they're saying. And these rats knew that there was a hand that always would provide that would lift them up. That's why I love that song that I was singing before. This is how I fight my battles. That's what David was really saying. He inquired of the Lord. Everybody else was freaking out, want to kill each other, want to kill him. Oh my gosh, they took our wives, they took our kids, they burned our house, everything's charged. Look at the leadership that you, look at the place you've brought us to. Boy, people love to blame the leader, don't they? Sound familiar out there? Now, this is not a political statement, you know. Well, I, listen, we want to do, we want to help you vote. That's what we want to do. Democrat, Republican, whatever, you know. People, somebody said the other day, blaming the president for the troubles we have is like blaming your fork because you're overweight. <laughs> no comprende. It makes no, makes no sense. Take some responsibility for your own self. And Tyler said it before. It's true. I totally agree. And I don't agree with everything he says, you know. We have, a, we have a strange and wonderful relationship. He's, he's very strange. I'm very wonderful. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. But, you know, it's true. You, look, at no matter who gets elected president, I am going to thrive and I'm going to flourish because God's will says that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen? Why? Because I will dwell, watch this, in the house. This is the house of the Lord forever both here on this side of eternity and on the other side in a place called heaven that we preached on two weeks ago. If you don't know it, get the tape, watch it on Facebook. We preached heaven two weeks ago. Then I preached hell last week. Preacher's job is to preach heaven sweet and wonderful. It's to preach hell white hot and terrible. And in between all that, we're to encourage you and win souls. And I'm trying to encourage some people today that you can move back from the drug addiction. You can move back from alcoholism. You can come back to the best version of you with the help of God. But you've got to engage yourself. Look at your neighbor say, you've got to engage. Now, that's not a place for a proposal, by the way, okay? Some of you get that later. Here's the R word in PERMA. PERMA, the R word is relationships. Everybody say relationships. Yeah, you were hardwired by God and psychologists. It's just amazing to me. They found this to be true. Thank God they spent $145 million on this study in 1946. But the truth is that God does not want you by yourself going through life. We're better together. I said we're better together. Get around some people. You know, listen, it doesn't matter what you like and what I don't like. I need you. I need you in my life and you need me in your life. It's not about what we agree and what we disagree on. You know, we all have different tastes, right? We have different flavors, and that's okay. Can you imagine if the world was just all like one color, one flavor all the time? Life would be incredibly boring. God's the God of 31 flavors. He likes Baskin and Robbins, right? Okay. But you've got to get around some people. Amen? You know, get around some people. If you want to be more successful in business and a business person, get around some successful business people. You want to get, you know, you want to be more spiritual, get around more spiritual people than you are. Amen. Amen. You know, I've had this come into my heart through the Holy Spirit. I've been thinking about, you know, we've had some great men and women of God here to encourage us. Right. And we've had uh, so many. Dr. DePlanis was with us here a couple months ago. It was awesome. And uh, I got to think about Tiff Shuttlesworth. Remember Tiff? I may even know who Tiff is. 
He's Jonathan's dad, and Tiff is the head of Lost Lamb Crusades. He was with Dr. Billy Graham's notable name, evangelism, all that for years and years. Tiff is a real soul winner. And I just decided to text him, Hannah, yesterday. I texted him. I was preparing this message. I said, hey, I'm thinking about you. And I said, would you come be with us? I know this is last minute. We plan stuff way out. We have to in a church this size. I can't just do stuff like that all the time. He said, I'd love to come be with you, Pastor. When are you thinking? I said, this fall. Well, how many know this fall doesn't start till Tuesday, so I'm still, it's not last minute, okay? <laughs> he said, I, w- I, would, I would absolutely, I'll be with you. So we're planning on having him come. I'll let you know the date. We'll, we're going to assure it up tomorrow uh, after we get the weekend behind us. Why is that? Because I know that we'll win people for Jesus through that ministry. We'll have a week-long meetings, lost lamb crusades. Get the picture? And then here's what I love. I get the chance to be around those giants of the faith, and they help to, to stir my fires up too. Can you say amen? It's important. Amen? amen. Jimmy Comenzo, James Comenzo. I mean, my, that guy, I would... Listen, if you knew who he was that's coming here, you, you would move heaven and earth to be in any one of those things. I mean, come to the men's breakfast. I mean, he's a, he, he coaches. Like, he's a, he's a great man of God. He pastored for a number of years. He's an author. He's a speaker. He's, I don't know what that man hasn't done. You know, he coaches people, life coaching. He's coaching right now the, the CEO of Nutrisystem. He's coaching the CEO. He only does it. He's told me, he said, Pastor, and soon he'll be coaching me. But he said, I only coach as many fingers as I have on one hand. Smart, isn't it? So I can pour my energy. And he said, I'm telling you, I'll be a royal pain in the neck to you. Because I want to help you move from where you're at to where you're looking to get. Iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27, 7, as one man sharpens another. Let me ask you, is anybody anybody causing you to grow in your life? If you're the most spiritual person in your circle, it's time to expand your circle. If you're the most knowledgeable person, in, in your, if everybody's always running to you with everything, it's like, well, who are you going to? Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. We're talking about relationships. This is a proven fact. The people you spend time with is what you're going to become. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Amen? Yes. Praise God. Yadira spoke up at God's Mountain last night at the Recovery Center. Praise God. Give her a hand. Amen. Yes. I got a high five on that one, sis. Come on. Amen. My daughter-in-law was with her. Mackenzie. Laying hands on people. Believing God for miracles. You know. Anytime you're doing anything for God, it's going to be messy. I just promise you that. It's never going to, you're always going to see something you don't like. You come in here and you're looking for something wrong, you'll find it every time. And so I'm, we're not perfect here. I'm not a perfect man. But Jesus is. And if you're perfect, but please stand up. I'd love to shake your hand right now. Amen. Amen. So your relationships. That's why, listen, let me say this quick before we move on. I'm almost done. We got to get in a a small group because a small group is going to help you to build a relationship. They say that you are the sum total of the five people that you spend the most time with. Your life is the sum. Think about that. The people you've spent the most time with. How important is it to be around somebody that's further up the spiritual rungs of the ladder than you are? Somebody's going to hold you accountable. Somebody that can learn from you too. Amen? So join a small group. We start in like two weeks. The sign-ups are out there in the lobby on that. How many of you saw the pallet wall when you came in? You said there's like a pallet wall there. All the club. Join a group. We have one for young people, 
married couples, empty nesters, et cetera, et cetera. Just be part of it. And we have groups. Like there's groups that there's like nobody that signed up for that group, you know. And I want to say if you're a host and they haven't signed up, don't take that as a personal thing. It just shows you that people might not know who you are. So let me just speak to the host for a second. You've got to be the evangelist for that group. They're not just going to fill it because we put it out there. You've got to go to them and say, hey, listen, would you spend a couple nights with us in our home? We're going to open up our home. Right, Hannah? How's your group when you guys meet? What's some of the benefits? Motivation? Encouragement? To pursue what God has for them. And to cheer them on. And your group is, t- tell me about, it's, is it the women's group? Yeah. When do you guys meet? Monday night, 6.30 in Carbondale, Pennsylvania. Give Hannah a big hand. God bless you, Hannah. Got a great group. Love you. See how that works? Man, I don't feel like I fit in anywhere in this church. It's so big. They're up there, you know, singing the Sunday school song. They got their hands raised on the doohickey. I'm up there with the mic on the screen. Now, everybody's perfect but me. Trust me, we're not. We all need Jesus. That's why we call on him so loud. Amen? Praise God. Relationships, PERMA. And then M stands for mission. How many know that you're, you're on a life mission? You've got to find something that's bigger than yourself. If you want to get out of depression, you want to get out of anxiety, you want to get out of suicidal tendencies, come on, I'm preaching to somebody here. You've got to realize that life is about the mission that God has entrusted you with. You're going to have a comeback from a setback. You've got to know what the mission is. The mission is the church. The mission is the cross. The work, the finished work of Calvary. The mission is to reach people for Jesus in these last days. Let me ask you a question. Will anybody be in heaven because of you? Well, I, you know, I don't really like when they don't sing my favorite song. <laughs> you missed the whole point. You missed the whole point. Loved ones, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Let me tell you, an old preacher, Pentecostal preacher said years ago regarding the church, he said, if they ain't fishing, they're fighting. Did you hear what I said? When's the last time you led somebody to Jesus? And I have people tell me like, "Ah, it's so awkward. I I just don't know how to do it. You know, I go to start to share my faith and I get all kinds of, listen, let me tell you what we're, we're doing in the weeks ahead. Next to small groups and all that regarding mission is this thing called heaven's gates and hell's flames. How many of you have ever heard of this before? Like not heaven's gates and hell's flames in the Bible, but I mean like the actual drama. Okay, I preached on it again the last couple of weeks, right? Part of that was the motivation to move us from sitting to reaching out. If you feel like you've flatlined in your faith, you're like, ah, you know, I heard that before. I know so I heard somebody preach John 10, 10. I could quote the Bible. Good for you. But you've probably flatlined, and here's why. Because you haven't brought anybody with you. Right. Right. You say, I just don't know how. I want to ask. Every time I talk about my faith, somebody just kind of bulldozes me over. I'm not extroverted like you, Terry. You know, like I, they'll say, well, I'm Catholic, and I go to my church. Most of the time when they say that, they don't go to church. Can we just have a moment? You know, when you identify by your label, you know, listen, I'm glad somebody says, I'm Catholic, I'm Baptist, you know, good, okay? My name is Terry, nice to meet you. <laughs> what does all that mean? What does all that mean? 
We're going to get to heaven one day, and I promise you that God is not going to have a name tag that says Pentecostal or Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian St. Luke or Anglican or got it going on in Jesus' name, First Church of the Chosen Frozen. He's not going to have any of that. It's going to be for Christians, believers, followers of Christ. He said, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Listen, you can't, to have disciples, you've got to have decisions. What this does, and I just love this, this is a huge investment, but, and you say, how much does it cost? $5,700. It it literally costs us, bare minimum, just to get the team here, to get all this stuff. They'll put this stage, they'll transform it into a, like a picture of heaven. Again, how many have seen this? So I don't, yeah. And it's a free production, it's a drama. It's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night. We have a goal to get 100 people just involved in the cast alone. We need prayer workers, right, Linda? We need people to pray around these altars. We need people to seek God. We need people that will take these tickets. And they're nice-looking tickets. I mean, they're not. You know what I hate when they put cheap, crooked-cut, washed-out garbage tickets out there? I mean, what do you think people think of the work of God? God can't afford it. No, I promise you, he can. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. These are really nice tickets. If you were going to a Broadway show, and we've gone to many of them um, in the past, this is like a ticket you would get there. It's nice. It's actually nicer than some of them because some of them are just black and white with a little, a little red line on them, you know. Beauty and the Beast or whatever it is, you know. Les Miserables, you know. Anyway, so take these and let's live life on purpose. I just feel so depressed every time it gets cold and, you know, living around here in Lackawanna County and the leaves get off the trees and I don't know, skies get all gray and I'm just sitting there thinking, oh my God, I don't want to live anymore. God, help me. And God's like, will you do what the pastor is saying? Will you just take the tickets and stop looking in the mirror and look onto the fields that are white hot and red? Oh, come on, somebody. White hot, ready for harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up laborers. That's you and me, laborers. Well, I thought it was the pastor's job to grow the church. No, you didn't, you didn't read that in the same Bible that I have. Sheep reproduce sheep. Not shepherds. I don't know. I see there was a couple empty rows in church on Sunday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me tell you something. You'll give an account for that. And so will I. You know why? Because the minute that you receive Jesus, your job was not to sit, soak, and sour in the local church somewhere and find a shop full of holes, things I don't like. I think I'll go over to the next pasture now, maybe graze over there. That's not your job. That's called the American watered-down, hellish version of Christianity. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen, but it's coming. I'm, I'm feeding your spirit now to help you to understand that we will give an account, loved ones. And you don't even, this is so easy. You don't even, have, all you got to do is say, hey, listen, we, got, we have a drama going on at our church. Please come out. Right? Let's rock this place for Jesus. See that? Let's rock it for Jesus. Come on. Yeah. So if you want to be part of the drama, Eli, wave to everybody. See Eli. Okay. It's called mission. Perma, P-E-R-M. Here's the last one. A, are you ready? Put it up there. Accomplishments. You have to have some accomplishments in your life. Is this okay? Are you still following me? The problem sometimes we don't have accomplishments is we, we can't see the forest for the trees. 
Jeremiah 29, 11, accomplishments. Listen, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster. I give you a future and a hope. Those are the, are the words of God for you. Sometimes you get hit, 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 setback, 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 hit. You go to work, all hell breaks loose. You come home, am I preaching to anybody? All hell breaks loose. And you're like, Lord, what am I doing? I'm preaching to someone. God says, I've got plans for you. They deal with accomplishments. You got to accomplish things, those dreams, those visions, man. And God puts in your heart. I was at the car wash yesterday over here at the car wash. John Ben says, Pastor, do you wash your truck every single day? Right, John? He t- says that to me. It's always so clean. I'm like, well, it's not always so clean, but it is clean. You know why? Because I figure I represent God. And I ought to, listen, if, you, if you're driving an old bomb of a car that's held together with bailing twine and bubble gum and the bumper's falling off and there's no muffler, sounds like a tractor and it's got a bumper sticker and says, God is my co-pilot, will you please take that off there? Just take it off. You're making us look bad. We represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Soap and water is cheap. I mean, really, just, you know, take a minute, clean it up, you know. But I was at the car wash, and uh, a friend of mine owns a car wash here, and they actually named it Danny's Auto Spa. It's right here, down here by where I live, in Peckville. And it's Danny's Auto Spa, and it's run by, the, by three brothers, and their name, Danny, was their brother that died years ago as a teenager. So in honor of him, they started a business called Danny's Auto Spa, and they're doing great. And he's telling me, his wife is telling me about, did you know, did you ever read The Course of Miracles? And what do you think about the end time? She's like in the end time stuff. And my wife, Becky, was, I mean, they were selling, listen, I'm almost done. They're selling like, uh, they're car wash, but they got like fall stuff. Everybody say fall stuff. The women know what I mean when you say fall stuff, right? Pumpkins and what do you call? What, did you, what else do we get? What is it? Corn stalks. Yeah, my wife got a bunch, she got a bunch of corn stock. We got, what are they called? Mums? I didn't cover them last night. I hope they didn't die with the frost. No. Okay. Oh, good. I'm off the hook. So she got all this fall stuff. And I said, listen, I said, I didn't know you guys sold fall stuff. He's like, well, we're just trying it. And he goes, you know, we got this car wash. And he said, you know, pastor, I was thinking to myself, we've got this land right here and all these cars pass. He said, I think we're going to buy one of these uh, sheds from the, uh, you guys up there, like the Amish have the place and put it, do like a seasonal thing. I'm like, see, that's an accomplishment. Don't just keep looking in the past at what you did. That's okay once in a while to look back and say, yeah, you know, God's been good. Look at the pictures. You know, your family's growing. That's awesome, you know. But think about what is God saying today? That's what makes you come alive. Come on. I close with this. Listen to this scripture. Zechariah 9, 12. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Prisoners of hope. Yeah, think about that. You're a prisoner of hope. Listen to this. How many of you have kids or grandkids that need Jesus? They're away from the Lord. Let me see your hands now. Wow, wow, yeah, yeah. Well, here's a prophetic word for you. It's from the Word of God. Jeremiah 31, 17. So there is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. The children will return in Jesus' name. The children will return. Can you say praise God? How am I going to do it? 
This is how I fight my battles. That's what David said. David didn't get off. Look, David could have had a, a super meltdown. He lost everything. He had the worst setback, unlike you and I will ever know. Everything's in a charred ruins. Wives, children, everybody's hauled off into captivity. But he inquired of the Lord. He, first, he encouraged himself in the Lord. Amen. And then he inquired of the Lord. And God said, get back up on your feet, David. Get your battle armor on. Get your war paint and go out there and get them. And he said, you shall surely win. Amen. Wow, what a powerful message. Thank you so much for inviting us into your home. And we would love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Peckville Assembly of God. And you can let us know how these broadcasts have helped you. We will see you next time. And one more thing, we love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.